0: how we manage fear that's good or bad Um, the example I used was I'm afraid for my kids to run out in front of the cars in the street that's a fear I, I I'm nervous when they get close to the road and there are cars flying by there's nothing wrong with me being nervous or fearful of my kids stepping out into that it helps me manage them and say okay guys here are some boundaries to keep you safe so sometimes fear serves a purpose, right? And it's up to us whether we make that happen. So what I want to do today and what I want to cover today is another emotion. And I want to talk about anger. Yeah. I remember one of my friends drove up to McDonald's one day, and he says, I want an angry meal. I was like, yeah, that's right. I want an angry meal. And Besides men, no, I'm just saying, has anyone ever had anger issues? Temper, right? We have temper. And uh, I was thinking about this. I, I'm probably going to go through a few other emotions, whether it's in, in next week or two in, in a row or whether I split it up. You know, God made us emotional beings, and he gave us these things for specific reasons. And so I want to say this, all right? Emotions are neither good nor bad. It's how we manage them and it's how we express them that can be good or bad. And because they're not listed as the fruit of the Spirit... Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, anger, fear. Uh, Whoa, those aren't in there, right? So because they're not listed as fruit of the spirit, when we feel angry or we feel fear or we feel desire, we think that I have to kill that and completely remove that and pretend it doesn't exist because it's not on the good list. It's on the bad list. Well, it's not on the bad list either. They're emotions. It's not good or bad. It is, it's, it's neutral. It's what we do with it. And what we've done in the church, what we do in life, I don't know why we do this, but we, we, we get in here and we say, you can't be angry. You can't be angry. If you have anger, then you have a problem. Well, that may be true, but that's not how you get to the solution. I have a problem is, do you, do you ever feel angry? Yes, then you have an anger problem. No, not necessarily. All of us feel angry, right? I've, I've, felt, I've felt angry the last couple of days, and I think I feel justified in being angry. All right? It's the truth. Now, there's a difference between taking that anger out and expressing it in a bad way, but I've felt fear in the last few days, and I don't think that that fear was wrong, and I don't think I was sinful because I felt afraid. Emotions tell us what's going on in our heart. When we feel an emotion, when we feel a desire, when we feel fear, When we feel anger, it is our body, this beautiful thing that God created that's amazing that I still, science still can't figure it out. No matter how much they search and find, they don't know how it works. How do we feel what we feel? How do we move? How do we breathe? Yeah, they can answer some of those questions, but when they get down to the deep, smallest particles of who we are, they don't understand it because God is infinite and we'll never understand it fully. But God made us these emotional beings to where we would be able to understand what's going on inside of our bodies emotions are there to help us know what is going on that we don't see when I feel anger usually it manifests itself through frustration excuse me through frustration right I'm frustrated we say that instead of angry because that seems a little more legal. Oh, I can be frustrated, but I can't be angry. If I'm angry, I'm I have a temper. You know, I have a temper problem. But frustration, that's not talked about much in the Bible. Do not be frustrated. It doesn't say anything, so we're cool. But frustration is just tamed down anger. <laughs> it's actually repressed anger. <laughs> and we feel frustration or we feel anger. Because there's something going on in our spiritual, our spirit, our soul, or our body that our being is trying to say, alert, you're feeling something right now, and anger is telling you what you're feeling. Something made you angry. What we tend to do is we feel anger and we react in anger to the person, place, thing, idea, object thrown across the room, whatever. And it doesn't help speak to our being that's telling us there's something wrong here. There's a need not being met. There's a boundary that's being trampled on by someone and it's frustrating you. And instead of asking the question, why do I feel angry? We just get angry and we show our Hulk smash thing, right? Anger, fear, the desire, they are telling us, they are they're like You have dreams. Dream reveal what's going on inside of us. Emotions are like that. It's another way of communication that's telling us what's really going on inside of us. When I get around certain people, I feel frustration come up inside of me. Well, why? I need to ask the question why instead of say, I just don't want to be around you. I can't be around you because you frustrate me. Why do they frustrate me? Well, because when I'm around them, I feel small and they feel big. There's There's something to explore there. When I'm around you, you overpower me and make me feel insignificant to where I get frustrated to be around you. I don't, so I just don't want to be around you. Instead of dealing with the thing and being confrontational, we hate confrontation, so we run from it. We use our emotions to keep us from it. Because, man, if I, just, if I piss you off enough, you're not going to want to talk to me either, and it's over. We don't even have to talk about this again. We wash our hands from it. Am I telling the truth? And what happens? We repress and we push down and we hold these things inside of us that are re, they affect our spirit, our soul, and our body. If I'm around someone and they constantly make me feel insignificant and they constantly talk down to me and I don't confront them and say, hey, knock it off when I'm around you. You make me feel insignificant. Maybe they don't even know. Maybe they're just so insecure. That's just how they communicate. But until I have that confrontation... I'm just going to build up anger and frustration and bitterness and all these other things are going to be stirred up inside of me because I'm not, I'm not answering the phone call from my being saying there's a problem. Anger's trying to warn me. There's a problem. There's a problem to address. There's something that you're missing or you're not seeing right now and you're frustrated because of it. I think probably a lot of us feel frustrated and sometimes we don't even know why we're frustrated. Anyone ever been there before? You walk into a room at work, you're driving on the way home from work, and you're just frustrated, and you don't even know why. Ask the question, why am I angry right now? Why am I frustrated? Why? Because the why takes us to the solution. Giving over to that anger and acting like a fool does nothing for us. It hurts the people around us. It breaks relationships. See, anger is something that can be served for God's purposes. Did you know that? A lot of us, as the days get more evil, we're going to become more righteously angry as believers, and it's going to serve the purposes of God. So anger is going to serve the purposes of God, rather than anger destroying connections and relationships. Let me ask you, how many, do you, how many of you have had close relationships of friends or family members that have been cut off because of anger and frustration? it's it's life and it's sometimes it's so much easier to just say you're off the list of friends you're outside of the rings of people i have in my life you're beyond the relationship rings you're into the i used to know you ring remember that person i knew that one time that's where you're at way out there in the abyss and i don't ever have to be around you and we feel powerful in making that decision but it's not powerful to cut people out of our life whoa whoa that's a hard thing for me to say because I'm like the mafia, man. You cross me, we throw you in the river. <laughs> we never see from you again. <laughs> it's over. That's right. That's the way I, that's the way I used to be. Like, oh, you, got a, you got a problem with me? I got a problem with you. You, you, just, you hurt me? You can't ever hurt me again because you will be dead. You'll be gone. No one will ever hear from you again. But listen to what I just said. It's not powerful to cut people from our lives. Let's go to the Bible before I just ramble on, right? <laughs> There's proof right here. It's proof. The proof is in the Bible, right? Ephesians 4. We're going to read a little bit of scripture, so I want to apologize because the Bible's the best. Ephesians 4, verse 17. <clears throat> it says, so... <clears throat> this i say and affirm together with the lord that you no longer walk as the gentiles also walk in the futility of their thinking he's like they're, they're stupid they think stupid don't walk like them don't think like them being darkened in their understanding they are excluded from the life of god how do we exclude ourselves from the life of god we have futile thinking we have depreciating thinking it's just the truth Because of the, he goes on, they're excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is inside of them. See, ignorance is very different than stupid. Ignorance says, basically, you don't want to learn. Because of why? Why are they ignorant? Because of the hardness of their heart. The worst thing any of us can do as believers or as people on this planet is to harden our heart towards God or towards another person. When we harden our heart, when we allow anger to build a wall and a case, uh, a defense case against somebody, when we do that, we welcome demonic activity in our life. The Bible says in Proverbs <sighs> that getting through an offended person, getting to them, getting into their hardened heart, is more difficult than scaling the walls of a city. In Bible times, they built walls that were like 12 and 15 and 20 feet thick that they rode their chariots on around the walls of Jericho and cities like that. They built these huge, massive walls and moats around their cities to keep them protected. And they say an offended person, a person who is hard in their heart, is more difficult to get through to than a city that has those walls built around it. It's hard to do. And so when we harden our heart, we become ignorant. Our ignorance excludes us from life. That's what it says right there. Being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the hardness of their heart. So if you're on the podcast, if you're here, don't harden your heart towards God or someone else. They have become calloused. Then what happens? Because they can't feel anything. Because their heart is calloused. They do this. They give themselves over to sensuality. And for practices of every kind of impurity and greediness. They become selfish. We're going somewhere back to anger, I promise. But this is too good to just read over it. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as the truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former way of life, you lay it aside the old self. You lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit. And that you are renewed in in the spirit of your mind, and you put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God that's created in righteousness and holiness and truth. Don't be that old hardened heart person who's ignorant, cut off from the life of God. You didn't learn about Christ this way. You didn't learn about salvation this way. But be this kind of person. Put on the new self who's righteous and holy and pure. Everyone still good? All right, we'll close it out. Verse 25. Therefore, lay aside all falsehoods and speak the truth to one another. Falsehood would be I'm not going to tell you what's going on inside of me. I'm just going to be angry with you. And just when you ask me if anything's wrong, I'm going to say, oh, nothing's wrong. But inside you hate them. That's falsehood. Speak the truth to one another. Have confrontations if you're feeling things toward one another. It's okay. You're going to be all right. Look, confrontation in these things is much better than years of who can hurt each other the worst, like a tennis match, back and forth. I hurt you. You hurt me. I hurt you, you hurt me. I hate you, you hate me. I don't want to be around you. Okay, you can be around each other. Oh no, I can't be around you again. It's miserable. It's a stupid dance that we do instead of just sitting down and saying, look, here's what's going on inside of my heart. I'm ripping it open and you do the same thing. Let's fix this, right? See, it says, for we are members of one another. We're connected to one another. When by anger and frustration and hurt we cut people out of our life, we're hurting ourselves. You know, God put these people in our lives for our benefit. Do you know that? Like, I didn't know this growing up. I thought I only needed a couple of people and I was good. I was so stupid. I need everyone. We need each other. You're in my life for my benefit, I'm in your life for your benefit. We help each other out, we strengthen one another. We add value to each other. My family, my friends, people inside of my relationship rings, they are put in my life. Think of all the events besides family, of all the events that had to fall into place for these people to be in our lives. Even family. How did, how did grandpa meet grandma? What were the odds of them meeting each other? What were the odds of them picking each other and then having kids and then those kids having kids of all the odds of all of this scientifically, it's astounding for us to be here and to know each other. It's unbelievable that we know each other. Why? Because God fit us together for a reason. And for me to just get frustrated or angry with my brother, my family member, whoever it is, and say, oh, I'm just going to cut off your influence. I'm not going to be around you. It's foolishness. All right, then we'll go on to verse 26. Be angry. We can just stop right there. The Bible gave us permission to be angry. Say that with me. Be angry. Say that again. Be angry. uh, There's another scripture that says, Be holy. Be of good cheer. Be happy. (laughs) And then he says, Be angry. All right. I wish I would have heard this when I was younger. This is okay. No, it's not okay to just be angry and do not sin. You can be angry and not sin. Did you know that? I don't think yelling and cursing at someone is the sin that he's talking about here. You go off on somebody, and you're in a fight, and you're angry. I don't think that that's the sin. I think the sin is the breaking covenant with that other person. I think the sin that he's talking about is being offended with them and building a case against them and a wall against them. That is sin. Sin is where something separates. Sin is not me being honest, and if I'm angry and I want to yell and curse you out, I'm not advocating cursing each other out. I'm just being, when you get angry with somebody, I mean, dude, your vocabulary's got to match your anger. Am I telling the truth? When I used to play sports, like, you're trash talking on a football field. And I'm like, I'm going to kick your booty. Like, dude, I'm sorry. That guy's not going to believe me. I got to tell him what I'm really going to do to him, right? Yeah, I'm going to kick your booty. That didn't work out. You got to match the trash talk. When you're angry, there's just words that communicate anger a little bit differently. You never thought you'd hear a pastor say, be angry and curse. (laughs) You know, that's not what I'm saying here that's not the sin that you say oh we th- oh i can't say what i really feel i can't tell them i'm really angry no the anger the, the the anger the sin that comes from anger is when i cut you off and it's not just cutting you out of my life It's like you can't say anything to me i'm a i'm a citadel i'm a fortified city you can say anything to me it doesn't get in Have you ever been around someone or ever felt this way yourself Uh, and you were pouring your love on them and it felt like it was just bouncing off of them and they weren't receiving it? Yeah. That's because there's an offense there. There's been an anger that built up and built up until it became offense. And that's a little bit more delicate to deal with than just anger and frustration. Offense takes a lot of healing. It takes like pulling the root up. It gets really ugly It'd be a lot easier when they make you angry and when you're frustrated to say, hey, let's deal with this now before we have to get really messy with this. Because you can be angry and not sin. Again, I want you to think of the sin here is this cutting someone off and separating them from life. Separating them from influence in your life or your influence in them. That is what's sinful. Hating someone. Hate is murder, according to Jesus. He says, if you have hate in your heart towards your brother, then you have the spirit of murder. It takes a lot of anger to end up to hate. It takes time. So don't be angry and sin. Be angry and deal with it like a real grown adult. Right? Be angry and do not sin. And then he gives another tip. And sometimes this is a difficult one because sometimes these things last a week or two. You can't sleep for two weeks. No, he says, be angry and do not sin and do not let the sun go down on your anger. I do know that he's very literally saying, don't go to sleep angry. I know that. And that's something that all married couples, people on the podcast, you're married, you're not whatever. Don't go to bed angry. Just don't. Don't go to bed angry. It's, you have, you'll have nightmares and you'll, you'll just wake up in a crabby mood and it'll create the whole horrible week, right? E- whatever it takes to just say, okay, hey, I'm not angry with you right now. This thing may not be completely settled if you can't settle it, but I'm not angry with you. I'm on your team. We're going to figure this out. Sleep well, my love. Whatever. <laughs> <I'm> totally kidding. <laughs> <laughs> If you have to write a script, whatever it takes, to to soothe the anger that you may feel, don't go to bed angry. But beyond with the spouses, don't be angry with your father or your mother. Don't be angry with your boss. It doesn't always mean that you can settle every issue within 24 hours. But your anger has a 24-hour life expectancy on it. You have 24 hours to deal with your anger. So you can be angry for 24 hours, and you get the stopwatch out. Whatever you got to do, all right, I'm really angry right now. I got 24 hours to resolve this. Not only feel better for me, this isn't about just feeling better. It's about fixing the connection. So do not sin. You can be angry, but do not sin, and don't let the sun go down on your anger. And then what does he say to that? Do not give the devil an opportunity. When, when someone speaks, and it's, if you take those things, they sound like they don't go together. Do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good so that he will have something to share. Let no unwholesome talk come from your mouth, but only what is good and edifying according to the needs of the moment. So that it will, be, uh, it will give grace to those who hear it. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice. Man, he just hits it all, right? Be kind to one another. <clears throat> it's hard to do when you're angry. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. How can we be angry with someone after we've been forgiven so much? Who in the world do we think we are? How arrogant do we think we are to think someone hurt us so bad that we can't forgive them when what we did was so much worse and Jesus easily forgave us? It's arrogance to think I can't forgive somebody. It is literally arrogance. It is the same spirit that that rose up inside of Lucifer who said, I can be like God. I can be equal to him. Who do we think we are comparing our, the wounds that we have been afflicted with over life, comparing that to what God sent his son through for us? So when we get on that 24-hour clock of, of anger, let's remember that. Remember what Jesus did for us, and he didn't do anything wrong. Have you ever been punished because, and you didn't do anything wrong? You play sports, you get punished a lot, and you didn't do anything wrong. The, one person messes up, the whole team runs. I hated that rule. Like, I didn't do any, I never do anything wrong. And one of these days, I just want to do something wrong to make everyone else run. <laughs> That's right, I did that on purpose, coach. You know? It, it really hurts, and it's terrible when you get punished and, for something you didn't even do wrong. And Jesus took the sins of the entire world He took the wrath of God, all of it, on him at the cross. And he didn't do one thing wrong. Not one thought, not one action, not one attitude, not one thing wrong. And he took it because he loved us and he loved his father. And yet you and I get offended and hurt with someone and we can't let it go. Are you bigger than God? Is that person more powerful than Satan? I know this is tough. This is what the Lord gave me. Anger is an emotion that has been given to us for a reason. It says there's something going on that you can't see under the surface. And you're feeling this right now because there's something deep. Go deeper. Find out what it is. Don't leave it alone. In Matthew 21, they they just are singing the praises of Jesus. He's coming in, a triumphal entry. They're saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna. Everything's wonderful. He walks into his father's house. And what does he see? money changers people are selling goods people have just, just taken the house of god and taken the holiness from it and made it uh, made it uh nasty d- desecrated it he walks in from this triumphant entry and he walks into this house and he sees the money changers and he sees the people doing business in his father's house and he becomes angry and jesus the most holy pure man to ever live takes a whip I, th- I think he just grabs whatever he can find. And he, not just knocked it, he didn't just knock the tables over. Let's be real here. D- Jesus didn't just walk in. It's not like poker tables and he just flipped them over. He drove out the people that were running the, the, the tables. He ran and he chased after them like a, like a madman. You know, we say this sometimes. When we get to heaven, I want to see that DVD or Blu-ray or whatever it is God has at that time so we can look back and see history. I want to see Jesus angry at what they were doing to his father's house, driving out the money changers with whips. You know, if it was an old Western, he would have shot at their feet and told them to dance. (laughs) Dance. Dance. Get out of my father's house, right? That's what he felt. He didn't sin when he did that. It was righteous indignation. Why don't you say that with me? Righteous indignation. What does that mean? I'm glad you asked. It says righteous anger is typically a reactive emotion or anger over perceived mistreatment, insult, malice. It is what is called the sense of justice. I get angry when they try to teach my kids things that are against God's laws. And I'm justified in being angry about it. But me sitting around and complaining about the school systems or the government or whatever it is, me complaining about it is frustration that's building up inside of me and it's hurting me rather than helping me. My wife tells me all the time don't gripe about what the teacher says to Josiah if you're not willing to go have a conference with her. All right? And then you say that to me this week, maybe because I keep account. Well, that's the third thing she has said like this and Manny's like, "Well, stop building a case against her and go talk to her." But I'm angry at her and if I'm afraid if I go in there that I'm going to be angry with her. It's okay. Jared. Hey, Jared. It's okay to be angry with the teacher. It builds up over time. But what's foolish is for us to to be angry at the world, be angry at the way things are going and not assess and say, "Why am I angry?" Well, Jared, you're angry because you want your kids to think the way God thinks. Well, that's good. That's not a bad thing, right? So, so my anger is birthed from a place of righteousness. In this case, not, not always. Sometimes I'm angry just because you can't drive. <laughs> but in this case, I'm angry because of a righteous thing. So then I need to, to figure out what do I need to do to serve my right, righteous desire? If my righteous desire is for my sons and daughters to learn the way God thinks, then when these things come up, I can't let them go. Man, I I just made it where I had to have a conference with the teacher. I just told on myself, didn't I? Don't put it on my calendar for me. I will do it. It requires an action. My actions after my anger determine whether it's righteous or unrighteous anger. If I push someone aside, if I build a case against them, if I just stare at her every time I go to the school and just like, yeah, that's the teacher saying stupid crap to my son. If I do that, <laughs> if I do that, I'm not serving my, my father's purposes. I'm not serving the purposes that I have for my sons and daughters. All I am doing is becoming angry. And railing at the system instead of doing something about it. And if we want to be completely honest, where we are in relationships, where we are in government, where we are in society, is because the church for a long time has felt anger and hasn't felt justified saying we're angry. And we just sat here and we took it and we shut up about it and we said, well, we're supposed to be meek, we're supposed to be peaceful, we're not supposed to be... No, we're supposed to be lions, and he gave us a voice. And that voice is something that we have to use for our advantage, all right? We've been quiet. We've sat back until we're now we're to a point where it feels like there's no hope. There's always hope, whether it's in a marriage, whether it's in a relationship, whether it's in society's uh, immorality, whatever it is. We can change it, but we have to let the anger that we felt about these things lead us to positive actions. Amen. So we can be angry and not sin. Young men, if you're on the podcast, you you can be angry and not sin. You're you're not a monster because you feel angry, especially when teenagers start going through changes and you start having hormones and you're like, oh, I, I, I really like girls right now. Good. You're supposed to. That's okay. Manage your desire. I'm really afraid right now. Good. You're supposed to be afraid. It's okay. What do you do with it? I'm really angry right now. I don't even know why. Good. You're a teenage boy. You're going to be angry. It's okay. You got a little roid rage going on. It's all right. What do you do with your anger? I thought I had to hide it and pretend that it wasn't there. And you know what happens, right? When we hide that and pretend it's not there, it explodes, man. It's a big mess. We have to be really good at managing what we're feeling. Be really in tune with the signals that our body and our spirit and our soul are sending us. This is making sense. So emotions aren't what's bad. It's what we do with them. All right? Everybody good? So be angry. Everyone, be angry. But don't sin, right? All right, you can stand. <laughs> I want to pray into this, and then we are going to take communion. So, babe, can you... Uh, text Vivian she wanted to bring the kids over we want to pray we have Julian wants to receive the the Holy Spirit today so I'm like let's do this I'm all about that so that's so cool they were talking about Holy Spirit during discipleship and he said I want a Holy Holy Spirit so we're going to lay hands on him and Holy Spirit's going to come live in Julian right so that's fun (laughs) that's the best part of the day right there well what I, I you know these are always I don't always know exactly how to do this Because it it requires all of us to participate. If If you have felt frustration, anger, and you have not managed it, you have not made it your servant, you have allowed it to become the master, then today we need to repent for that. First thing we have to do is repent. God, I'm sorry for allowing anger to lead me into behavior and me not managing it. The second thing we do is say, now God, I give my emotions to you. I want you to help me to manage it well, all right? So you pray where you're at. I'll pray quietly here, and then we'll pray all together. We'll do communion and all that stuff, so, yeah. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, yeah. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. You're so good. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's something else we need to do. I'm sorry. A lot of times, anger is the signal our spirit, our soul, our body sins when we feel powerless i i i can't fix this i'm i'm the smallest person in the room i'm the weakest person in the room so to to make up for that i have to show my anger in some way and if i can show my anger i can be bigger i can be scarier i can show people i mean business and so i want i want you to know something every one of us are powerful we're completely in control of ourselves no one else has control over us no one is more powerful than we are we are all equally in control of ourselves it's another gift of the spirit it's self control and we have it and so if if you're here and you have felt insignificant you've felt forgotten you have felt uh, pushed aside or whatever it is that's made you feel small and you've allowed anger to help you it's like you know boost your energy it's like performance enhancing drug it's uh, i need anger to help me m- Feel equal with everyone else in the room. And, and we learn the scariest person in the room is the powerful person. We learn that somehow as kids. The loudest, the scariest, the meanest person in the room is the one who gets everyone to do what they want. But that's not true, all right? And so if you're here and you felt powerless, we, Father, I pray now that you would help us to realize the gift that you gave us of self-control. And that every one of us are powerful what we decide, what we say changes the world. It changes our own life. We can speak life or death over ourselves. We are not insignificant. If others treat us insignificantly, we can address it because we're powerful. We can confront it in a healthy way. So God, I ask that you would reveal that. I ask that you would strengthen that belief system that we are powerful and we're not, we're not victims We break the victim mentality. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but He's given us a spirit of power, love, and of self-control. So, ask you stir up self-control, Father. Yeah. Would you pray for your neighbor? Just whatever comes to your heart, whatever your mind, according to the topic for the day. Hmm. Jesus. Father, help us to be angry and not sin. Help us to be in control and to manage our emotions. Hmm. Yes, God. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Thank you Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, you're so good, God. I love how you're teaching us. I love how you're leading us. You're perfect, Father, in all your ways. <laughs> yeah. Let me feel you're getting closer to the Father. Let me feel that way, honestly. You'll raise your hand and say, I feel I'm getting closer to the Father. Yeah? Amen. Yes, that's what we like. Do you feel him drawing us? I don't know if it just seems like a switch has turned over the last few months. And I just, I feel, I feel more clear than ever before of his love pulling us into himself. I can't explain it. I just know how I feel it. And I feel him just pulling us close and whispering truth to our ears and giving wisdom to our hearts and revealing who he is to us. I just, um, thank you. Thank you, Father, for revealing yourself. For pursuing us, God, for hiding things for us, not from us. Thank you for pulling us into yourself. We can hear your heartbeat, God. You're a good daddy. You're a good father. Jesus, we love you too. You're a good savior. You're the brother who sticks closer than a brother. <laughs> Holy Spirit, we love you. We thank you because you comfort and nurture us and lead us to truth. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you release inheritance to us. You take what Jesus had and what he got from the Father and you give it to us. And we thank you for that. You're so good at it. And we receive those gifts. We receive those inheritances right now. Once you do that, would you just lift your hands and ask Holy Spirit to give you the inheritance? Yeah. Yeah. We want our inheritance that Jesus earned for us. We won't waste it. We won't squander it. We'll add value to it for the next generation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll add value to our inheritance for these guys and these girls right here. Yeah. We'll add to it, Father. That's what Holy Spirit does. That's who he is. He releases inheritance. He's the spirit of truth. Hmm. Thank you Jesus. Yeah. Let's let's do communion first as a family and then we'll ask anyone, kids and adults that want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we'll ask you to come to the front. And that awesome how we teach on anger and the Lord has an altar call for baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's just never would have planned that, ever. I don't think that's ever been done in the history of the world. It's a unique day. But we want Holy Spirit, right? It's a free gift. And so what we'll do is I want to pray over communion. We'll take communion as a family. And then if you want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, what all it is is Jesus said, I have to leave so that he can come. And he's going to live inside of you. And he's going to tell you all the things that I know and all the things that I've taught. He's going to whisper it to you. He's going to tell you. And he's going to release to you the inheritance my father has for you. He's going to lead you and guide you into all truth. That's who Holy Spirit is. He's going to comfort you when you're hurting. Yeah? He's going to convict us. if we do something wrong, we're going to be like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. That's Holy Spirit that does that. So we want Holy Spirit. Amen? So let's do communion. Father, I thank you for your body. You can pray with me, all right, for the body, the bread. Thank you for your body that you gave for us. That you said yes. You surrendered your will. You surrendered your desires and your your passions. And you said yes to give up your body for us. And we see your body today. Your broken body. And it's beautiful. Beautiful, God. Hmm. What you did at the cross, Jesus, was beautiful. Hmm. Thank you for your body that makes us whole, that strengthens us, and we thank you for your blood too, your blood that forgives us and cleanses us, makes us white as snow, your blood that makes us part of the family, oh yeah, that makes us brothers. We love that, that you did that for us, Jesus, and we thank you for your body and for your blood. We love you today. We remember the sacrifice you gave for us. And you did it because your father loved us. And you loved your father. And because of that, we are sons and we are daughters forever. Amen? So we thank you for your body. We thank you for your blood today. And we apply it to our lives. We ask that you would bring healing to us that came from the atonement. We ask that you would restore relationships that's in the atonement. We ask that you would heal our minds and our emotions, God, that was in the atonement. We ask that you would heal our memories, God, that was part of the atonement. We ask that you would bring wholeness to us in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you want to come up as a family and and be served communion, and then we'll pray right here for Holy Spirit, all right?